0: "...say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy." For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. So, if you're reading through the book of Isaiah and you get to the chapters 30, 31, 32, all the way through the 30s, what you'll notice is the author alternates some chapters talking about judgment and vengeance and devastation and war, and other chapters. Painting, as he does in this chapter 35, this vision of peace and wonder and majesty and glory and all the good things God has for God's people. We're in 35 today. Isaiah is describing a vision of the way he believes God wants things to be. He begins these verses talking about this renewal of all creation. How in the desert there will be water and flowers and abundance. There will be a wonderful place of nourishment. All of creation, in a sense, will be renewed, so much so that even creation will be singing joy and saying glory to God. One of the Bible commentators I read this week, as he was commenting, reading Isaiah 35, he said it made him think of a time a few years ago when he was living near Yellowstone National Park and a great fire broke out and scorched thousands and thousands of acres. It burned hot for days, and this once lush forest was gone. He said it looked like a moonscape after the fire finally died out, everything black, gray, and ash. He said it was so devastating that some even speculated that this fire had consumed so much forest and burned so hot that irreversible damage had been done, that the forest may never come back. And yet you know what happened? Just days after the end of the fire, it rained. And guess what the forest rangers saw then just days after that? Fresh green shoots popping through the ash. The grasses, the bushes, the trees were already beginning to come back. And as this Bible scholar reflected on this passage and that experience, he writes, new life in dead places. Isn't that what God does in, to, and for us? The season of Advent reminds us to look for renewal. Expect renewal because God is at work in the world and in our lives. Are you looking for God to be alive in your life this Advent season? Are you expecting that God can bring new life even to dead and destructive experiences or relationships? Are you expecting God to be seen, to be present in your own life experience as we finish up these days of Advent and move toward the celebration of Christmas? God is at work expectation is our part of Advent. These 10 verses remind us of that. The author spends the first couple of verses talking about this renewal of creation, but then in the next couple, he moves on to talking about how we can encourage one another, and when we do so, how it heals us in terms of body and souls, how it strengthens us for the journey we are walking together. Then he spends two or three verses talking about these exiles who have been conquered and taken away from their homeland and how they're going to be returning. And they're going to come through this desert, but it'll be a place of nourishment. And they'll come home, and it'll be a time of joy and gladness and sighs and sorrows will be gone. Not only is Isaiah saying that God is with them, Isaiah asserts that God is out ahead of them. Listen to how verse 8 reads when rendered by Dr. Eugene Peterson in his message translation of this verse. I love it. He says, there will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It's for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. No lions on this road, no dangerous wild animals, nothing, and no one dangerous or threatening. Then he finishes the passage in verse 10 like this. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion, unfading halos of joy encircling their heads, welcomed home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. We read from Isaiah during Advent because he sounds the trumpet for the people of God and says, hello, people of God, get ready. Get ready because God is preparing a way for you. I thought it was interesting that he even puts in that extra phrase that says, even fools can't get lost on this road. Now, I don't know who he's referring to, but I think he has somebody in mind He says, with God on this road, even fools will find their way home. Reminded me of that old episode from Seinfeld. you remember his sidekick, George, and how he was kind of a fool all the time, messing up? In this particular episode, George kind of recognizes his own behavior and says, you know, I've messed up in romance and in business and in my relationships, and so I've decided what I should do is the opposite of whatever i first think i should do if i just do the opposite i'm sure things will be better and about then an attractive woman walks into the diner george looks at her she makes eye contact with him all of a sudden he's intimidated and shrinks back old george would have not gotten out of the booth but he said oh no this is new george i should do the opposite So he jumps up from his booth after she's seated, walks right over to her and says, Hi, I'm George. I'm unemployed, and I live with my parents. (laughs) And she looks at him with a twinkle in her eye and says, Interesting. (laughs) All through the episode, George starts to do one thing, and then says, Oh, no, that's old George. I'm going to do the new thing. Oh, George is a fool for sure. But Isaiah says, even people like George, once they begin to follow God, once they get on God's road, God will not lead them astray. They will find their place home. They will get to celebrate with their lives. I've been giving you a couple of practical steps each Sunday of Advent so that we can live into Advent. So far, I've given you one each week. Today, there's two I want us to look at. Number one, If you're living in fear, let me suggest that you offer that to God. Remember what Isaiah says in verse 4 Here is your God. God will come and save you. That is so similar to what Jesus says so often in the Gospels. You'll remember over in Matthew, he's talking about those who are struggling, and he says, Any of you, who are carrying heavy burdens or are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Or in the sixth chapter, during the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, Jesus is teaching. And he says in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Then he goes through detailing that and saying over and over, don't worry about it. God is taking care of it. Then that section ends with these words from Jesus. Strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. Do not be afraid. Don't worry. Offer that to God. Let God help you carry your burdens. Or think about all the times God speaks in Scripture via an angelic messenger. You remember almost all of them start with, do not be afraid. If you flip over to Luke's Gospel, to the Christmas story, when the angel visits Mary... Part of the message is, Mary, do not be afraid. And then in the next chapter, an angel comes to speak to the shepherds. And again, do not be afraid. Listen, the angel says, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. If you're a person living with fear or struggling with fear, the Gospels echo Isaiah saying, Do not be afraid. Trust in your God. Hand your fear over to God. If you've struggled with that, maybe developing a prayer practice could really help with that. You might want to write a prayer that you could use over and over on those days when you're really struggling with the fear. Or maybe you want to start a journal and write about how you're feeling And offer that to God as a prayer. Or a lot of people find it helpful just to find a quiet place where they can sit alone for a while. And just breathe deeply. And then imagine that with every breath you're breathing in the presence of God. And breathing out the fear every time you breathe in. Reminding yourself that God is with you and receiving God's confidence and God's strength and God's assurance that you need not be afraid. And then as you breathe out, letting the fear go. That's something you can do in the morning as a routine or if you find yourself in a situation where panic and fear are setting in, you can breathe deep and receive the presence of God and release the fear, finding a prayer practice is a good way to offer your fear to God. But number two is for those thinking, I do not live with fear. That's not really my struggle. I'm not sure this applies to me. Well, again, Isaiah has advice for us. Again, it's in that fourth verse. He said it like this, Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. What if you determined to use that message and pass it on to somebody else? You could use the biblical message of encouragement and actually encourage someone you know and provide some support for them in their times of struggle. Just a word of caution. Sometimes unasked for or unsolicited advice is not welcome. So be sensitive when encouraging someone that you've determined is filled with fear. But everybody likes kind words, words of appreciation, words of support, words of affirmation. You could offer those to people. You could even share this scripture with them where Isaiah is saying, be strong. Be strong. Trust in the Lord. You could text that to somebody. You could make a phone call. You could write a card. You could leave a note. You could encourage someone else who's struggling in their own lives, even if you are not. Have you heard of this new series of vignettes on television called Modern Love? Every one of them deals with a different aspect of love, but all deal with relationships with love involved. One of the most poignant I found as I watched these was about a woman struggling with bipolar disease. Someday she is on fire. She is doing great. She's out in the world doing wonderful things for people, doing a really good job at her place of employment, meeting people, engaged with others, a charming and bright person. But then there are those other days where she is fatigued. Where she is scared, where she finds herself filled with fear and unable to get out of bed. She closes the curtains and hides in her apartment. She does not answer the door or respond to the phone. She's not sure that she can get through another day like that. And on those days, she misses work. She doesn't want anyone to know she is struggling, so she's trying to hide. She's never told anyone that she's been diagnosed with bipolar disease. And because of so many unexplained absences, she finally loses her job. One of her co-workers comes to her and says, let's go have a cup of coffee and ask her what's going on young woman finally decides that she will tell her she's afraid she will be rejected but to her surprise the woman listens intently and asks some other questions and wants to know more and wants to know how she can support her and affirms her and says you were such a great employee you did such a great job let's work on this together And so she begins to tell others, and they all support her. Finally, she goes to the doctors and gets the medicine, and once she has the right medicine, that really helps as well, and she's able to function again. And what you realize before the end of the episode is that it was not so much the disease that was the problem as her hiding it and her fear Of how others would respond, she was working so hard to hide it that it was destroying her life. But those around her rallied to her support. Those around this young woman support her and encourage her into a better life, a brighter future. A thrill of hope is revealed in the episode by the end. Perhaps we too can let go of our fear and help others let go of their fear. And we too can know the thrill of hope alive in our lives. Amen.